Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. Pursuit of purpose. We're in week three. Next week, we'll finish this up. But today, talking about the other side. Last week, we talked about pride comes before a fall. We talked about the fall. And now we're talking about what happens when I get up. When I get up out of that pit, what happens? Where am I going? The foundation of this series is found in Ephesians 2.10. The sentence says, God has a purpose for you. He prepared it beforehand so that you should walk in it. And so we're talking about the story of Joseph. And you got to realize that Joseph was um, uh a teenager when he had this dream, and then 23 years later, he saw this dream come to fruition, okay? And you're like, wow, that's a long time. Well, that's not near as long as Abraham. Abraham was 100 before he saw God's dream for him come to pass. And so we're talking about purpose. The big idea is this. Everybody ends up somewhere. Few people end up somewhere on purpose, right? So 87% of people roaming the face of the earth out there have no clue why God put them here. So 13% end up getting somewhere intentionally, which is really hard which means the 87% of people are normally working a plan as opposed to fulfilling a purpose, which is why we feel empty and we need big boats and, and big houses and all that stuff, right? And so the big idea from last week is the fall will always take you back to Jesus. It recenters our focus. It's the, it's the one place where we get to our very lowest and go, I have to have God here, right? So we cry out to God and we ask him. And so if we're going to pursue purpose, we must stay connected to the Father. If you missed that message, you need to check it out. It's on YouTube. You can see the online version or the, or the stream version. The title today is the other side, what happens once I get up, once I get up. And so before we talk about that, you need to know that it's been said, we're going to talk about prosperity, by the way. The whole point in this is, is there's prosperity in your purpose. How do you experience God's prosperity in that, knowing that prosperity is not really a dirty word? So there's this quote, it says, prosperity comes to those who hustle and push their dreams into existence. And that's really true. Work hard and become a leader, be lazy and be a loser. That's a proverb that we've kind of twisted in our house, okay? And so the worldly view of it, uh, the, scale that you're, the scale that you're really judged by your peers in the world is how much can you do, right? How much do you have? And, and then is hard work really enough? Is, is hard work it? And the reality is people can see you working hard. And if you work hard, but you don't attain much, what's the, the result or the, the answer is where you're just not working hard enough, right? Well, what if that's all you got? And so you're, 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 you're judged on your success based on your work ethic. But if your work ethic's good, but you're working toward the wrong thing, you know? And so nobody wonders, are you working or hustling for the right thing or for the right reason? And a couple of things that changed my life that I hope that you get today. There's no scripture. There, there is scripture to back this up. It's all in Proverbs. But there's a difference between production and productivity, right? Production is the process of creating, growing, manufacturing, or improving goods and services. It refers to quantity, right? Productivity is used to measure the efficiency or rate of production. And so for me, learning the difference between those two things was monumental. But the part in there that you want to see about productivity is efficiency. It's efficiency, right? Everybody's out of time and super busy. And so efficiency is really where the rubber meets the road when it comes to being blessed or successful or prospering in what you do. Because people tend to think that if they're producing, that they're effective, right? Well, I'm, I'm working hard and I'm getting these results. Well, are those the results that we're really after? And there's a big difference between efficiency and effectiveness. I learned that if it's efficient, it's effective. That's, that's pretty true. 
Efficiency is the ability to accomplish something with the least amount of wasted time, money, and effort. Effectiveness is how successful you are in producing that result. So then you want to be efficient and effective. It's not really about production, right? And so we can get busy produ producing, and that's really working a plan. And the bottom line that we just buttoned up last week is disconnected from God, production, productivity, efficiency, and effectiveness are not going to lead to prosperity, but they might lead to accomplishment, right? And there are too many examples. The, the thing that breaks your heart that you guys all know about, you've heard Bill Gates' story and you've heard tons of stories, but there are so many stories out there of people who had everything and take their own life. You would say, wow, they are prosperous. They're multimillionaires. They are this executive. They're this movie star. Uh, the story of Robin Williams still is crushing to me because I thought he's one of the funniest human beings I've ever heard in my life, Right? And so to have everything but still have nothing, disconnected from God, it's empty. It's empty. And at the end of the day, regardless of what you gain without God, it's empty. So remember, week one, your character is the foundation for your purpose. Your purpose is only ever going to be as great as your character. So if you have weak character or low character, that needs to develop. That's God's goal for you, right? Is to develop Christ-like character. The more you become like Jesus, the greater your character becomes, the more purpose you will walk into. And so let's jump into the other side. Before we do, let's pray. Father, thanks for the moment that we get to sit in. I ask you to open hearts and hands, Lord. Thank you for the seed that's going to be planted. Thank you for letting me be a part of what you want to do in the lives of people. Thank you, Lord, that you want us to go out from here better than we came in. And I thank you for fruit today because we did. I love you. And I thank you for blessing your word. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Joseph's recap, he's a tattletale. He doesn't have favor with his brothers. He has this big, crazy dream. And he tells his brothers, hey, y'all going to bow down to me. And they laugh and they hate him and they hate him and they hate him and they hate him and they hate his words. And his dad doesn't like it either, but he does keep it in mind. And so we're going to pick up in Genesis 39 now, which is two chapters later. And this is verse one. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar as an officer, as an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard. An Egyptian brought him out from the Israelites, had bought him from the Israelites who had taken him down there. Now, his brothers hated him so much that his dad sent him out and uh, they threw him in a well and they were going to forget him. One of his older brothers gets him out about the time he cries out to God and says, man, please, anything but this, right? And uh, they sell him. So that's where we are now. Now, verse two, this is huge. If you're highlighting in your Bible, you can highlight this. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master was an unbeliever. He did not believe in God. There was no such thing. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, he put under his authority, which is crazy because this is just a dude off the street. He doesn't believe in God, right? So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house, even though he didn't believe in God, for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand because he saw that the Lord was with him, right? And he did not know what he had except for the bread he ate. So this dude is sitting high on the hill and all he knows is what people bring him, right? It's time to eat. They're going to bring me food, right? So how does Joseph become number two in Potiphar's house? Who, by the way, doesn't believe in God and is the farthest thing from that, right? And you see it in verse two, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And so because he was, everything that he did prospered. And even the Egyptians 
And Potiphar, who did not believe in God, prospered too. He brought prosperity there, which means if you work for unbelievers, right, or your boss is an unbeliever, you still bring blessings to them. You have favor with them. They might not know. They might not say, well, the Lord is with you. But as a believer, because what you bring prospers, you're prospering the company, and that brings increase in abundance. Now, that's not a, a deal to go say, hey, God's with me, so I need a raise, okay? Can't go and do that, right? So prosper essentially means to make successful. That's huge clarity today. Prosper means to make successful, to succeed in material terms, to be financially successful, to grow strong and healthy. Prosperity tends to only be a churchy word, which depending on what church you grew up in or where you came from, prosperity might sound like a, like a bad word or a dirty word. It could be up there with, with some of your favorite cuss words, right? Because you think money or uh, greed or whatever. The reality is God wants to prosper you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. That's how we go from here as believers, really. And so in Deuteronomy 20, 28, this is what it says, the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouse, where you at? And in all that thou <laughs> settest thine hand to, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God had given thee. In other words, I used the King James there just because you guys needed it. Okay, I just, you're hungry for it, right? In other words, everything you put your hand to is going to prosper. That's what Deuteronomy 28.8 says. And so today, by the way, is a big teaching day. So there's going to be a ton of scripture. If you're a note taker, you're going to have a good time. And so today we're talking four points to prosperity, four points to prosperity using that Genesis 39, really verse two, and the Lord was with Joseph, okay? Because if you believe in Jesus, then the Lord is with you. You have God's spirit in you. So the first point to ensure that prosperity begins with you is that prosperity begins with the presence of the Lord. And the Lord was with him. Prosperity begins by walking with God. That's really a button up from last week. It's John 15, right? Apart from God, you can do nothing. I'm the vine and you are the branch. Abide me and I'll abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, it will be given to you. So then prosperity begins with the presence of the Lord. The Lord was with him, so he prospered, right? So then John 15 also buttons up by saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So prosperity begins with God's presence in your life because he is good, but also because he never fails. He's the only one who's, who has 100% success rate, right? And so then the truth is when you walk with God, you're successful and, and when you do, you won't struggle. And even in the bad, God's there with you, bringing you up to good. It's, we call it the learning curve at my house, okay? Learning curve. It's either learning curve or ignorance, okay? And if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough, is what John Wayne said. So we do those two things, okay? Now, God never removes his presence from you, but you do have the choice to walk away. That's why you're not a robot. That's why we're not all the same today. And so Cain, in the Bible, Cain and Abel, Cain left the presence of God. He walked away. So God will allow you to do that. But when you walk with God, you're going to be successful. So here's a little bit of proof of God's prosperity with your presence. Here's a couple of these. are three scriptures I want to share with you. And the first one is Deuteronomy 29, 9. And that says, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Word. So Jesus has been called the word. So if I'm walking with God and I'm in agreement, I'm being obedient, then I will prosper in all that I do. Second Kings 18, 7 says, the Lord was with him and he prospered wherever he went. And third John 1, 2 said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So then, and your soul being your mind, by the way. So fresh upstairs. Hebrew meaning the word, Hebrew meaning of the word prosperity means to push forward, by the way. 
So when you think prosperity, and I gave you the definition, but you're like, okay, where, is, where, is, where are we going with this? In the Bible, Bible language, Bible terms, the Hebrew meaning of the word prosperity is to push forward. So that you need to know, God would like to push you forward in your marriage, in your relationships, with your kids, at your job, with your bank account. God would like to push you forward in your career, with your family, everything that you put your hands to, God would like to push you forward in that, right? So your purpose will prosper if you have the presence of God. So you're like, okay, well, how do I get the presence of God? That's a good question. It's our second point. We gain God's presence through obedience. We strongly dislike that last word because we feel like little kids or something, right? And so then, I'm glad you're wondering about that obedience thing though. Because when I say obedience, you probably think, oh, he wants us to do something. Great, here comes the ask. That's gonna ask me to come and redo the flower beds out front or something, right? No. Second Chronicles 17.3. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because, you can underline because there if you like, because he walked in the former ways of his father, because he obeyed, he walked in obedience is what this said. His dad taught him well. He walked like his dad. Therefore, he was obedient to what his dad was doing. So then he was blessed. First Samuel 18, 14. And David behaved like that behavior. That's, that's, a, that's a dirty word if you ask me. Because I don't want my kids to behave well. I want them to be well. Right? I can teach my kids really good behavior. Like, I call them out on fake stuff all the time. Hey, what are you saying that for? Why are you being like that? That's not who you are. Like, I know you, and that's not you. Well, I just felt like I should. Well, if it's not in your heart, then don't do it, right? So David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. So what does that mean? He obeyed. He wasn't perfect. If you know anything about David, David was everything from a murderer to an adulterer to everything. But what David did every time was he came back to God. After the fall, he came back to God right? He humbled himself. He came back. First Samuel 18, 12 says, now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So then why was the Lord with David? He obeyed. Why was the Lord without Saul? He departed. He disobeyed. He disobeyed. It's super simple. And so then Deuteronomy eleven twenty six through 28 says this, behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. Dern, like that blessing part curse, not so much. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I commanded you today, next, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods, which you have not known. Gods who didn't create you, who didn't form you, didn't give you purpose, which are anything, idolatry, right? So our faith it's not defined by work. It's not defined by production, productivity, efficiency, effectiveness. Our faith is not defined by any of that. Our faith is really defined by our obedience to believe, right? We're saved by grace. It's a grace gift that you have, but you succeed with obedience. It's believing. I ask our kids all the time, how does God know that you heard what he said? And their answer will be, because I do it. He can see it. He can see it. It's not a behavior. It's a belief, right? And so if you walk with God, you're going to walk with success. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have trouble, bad experiences, storms, hurricanes, tornadoes, all those things. But it does mean that God will walk with you through those trials and see you to the other side successfully. That's what it means. But it's being obedient the whole way through, not in the middle of it being like, I knew God wouldn't hear. I'm out of here, right? 
It's being patient to walk through. Job's a great example of that. In Job 36, 11 through 12, it says, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Come on, somebody. But if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword and they will die without knowledge, right? What's this? Simple obedience brings great prosperity. If they obey and serve, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Don't we all want that? Mm -hmm. But if they do not, they're going to die by the sword and they're going to die without knowledge, right? And so the last one for this point is Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins. What does this mean? He who walks in disobedience. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses, David was our example over this, and forsakes them will receive mercy and forgiveness. This is why obedience is so important. So what is all that to say? When you walk with the Lord, when you're being obedient to God's will for your life, God's will is greater than my intention. Remember that? God's purpose is greater than my intention. You're covered. You're covered. So it's like getting out of a car in a rainstorm and knowing like, Dad, come on, I, I got to go into Trader Joe's. I hate going to Trader Joe's, by the way. Heather drags me sometimes. The parking lot's trash. Okay, the traffic's horrendous. They're like, it's like the drive-through at Chick-fil-A here. It's the same thing. It's just like, I don't even understand why, how we did this. Who, who allowed this to happen, right? And so it's like getting out of the car at Trader Joe's in a hailstorm. And then all of a sudden, the moment you stick your foot out, somebody just steps in with an umbrella. And they just walk you the whole way in. And as long as I'm walking under that umbrella, I'm covered. No headaches. I stay dry. It's just like that. As long as I stay under, I'm dry. As long as I stay in God's will, as long as I'm walking in obedience, I'm covered. I'm taken care of. So the key to prospering, to refresh point one, is the presence of God. And the key to presence is obedience, right? It's God's obedience. Then you might say, well, I really stink at obedience because I don't like the word and and I had parents who made me do stuff, blah, 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 blah. And my pastor stunk and my youth pastor stunk and I hate the church and, 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 and all those things, right? I've heard it all. And I'm just not good at obeying. That's okay. How do I obey? I'm, glad, I'm so glad that you asked. We gain obedience through faith. We gain obedience through faith. So prosperity begins with the presence of God. We gain God's presence through obedience. And we gain obedience through faith. This is foundational stuff. And so when it comes to faith, the truth is most of us have more faith in our hot water heater than we do in God. And everybody said, amen. How do I know? Because you, like me, turn the water on and you wait. Good grief, right? We're the same. We will sit there and wait. Why do we wait? We believe 100%. There's a hot water tank somewhere in this house and it's bringing me hot water, right? And so we wait. And we wait, and we wait, waiting. The house we lived in before this one, by the way, I could have turned the hot water on, ran and got Heather some milk and eggs from Trader Joe's, and came back, and that water's still not been hot, okay? So it was brutal. But I knew hot water's coming, right? Hot water's coming. It might feel cold when I turn it on, right? And it might be out because our kids used it, but that's even still not the hot water heater's fault, right? Hot water... It's coming. And so if you get anything about faith and obedience, get this. When you turn the faucet of obedience on, it might feel cold in the beginning. Probably going to. But it's going to get hot. It's going to get hot if you believe. 
if you believe, right? That's faith. And so you got to believe that there are rewards when we obey, right? That's why our kids listen so well. They know there's going to be consequence or there's going to be reward. That's, that's the only two things, right? And that's what we knew as kids. If we believe that, we would obey. If we believe that there were actually consequences, we would obey a lot more, right? The reality is instead we believe that we can disobey and get away with it. It's the proverb scripture I shared. If we sweep it under the rug or, or hide it or walk with that, then it's okay. And that's never been true. That's not what the Bible says. And so obedience is not a bribe, by the way. God's, I don't see any bribes in the Bible anywhere, right? I see instruction and I see action. I see instruction and I see action. Instruction without action is disobedience, by the way. We always, we say delayed obedience is still disobedience. If I ask you to do this now and you wait till your time, that's disobedient. That's disobeying, right? I have a buddy who, who's still like, he's in his 40s, but he still is like he's 22 and it's just brutal. And he's like, oh, whenever I'm ready. I'm like, dude, that's disobedience. Like, it's not when you're ready. Like, the Bible says if you know better and you don't do it, that's worse than somebody who didn't, right? And so delayed obedience is still disobedience. God's not going to bribe you to obey, right? He wants your heart. He gives you the instruction and he gives you the choice to act. So then in our house, Heather and I teach that obedience leads to prosperity. It's really Joshua 1.8. I'll give you just a little nugget from our house. Now that only happens if, we, if they believe what we teach them, right? And not because I said so. It's not because I said so. We've never said that. We don't say that because, because, because I said so makes me a mob boss, right? And so, but it's because it's what I believe. It is the way, the truth, and the life. It comes from scripture. Here's what Joshua 1, and I'm going to give you the, fir, the front half and the back half of this. Joshua 1, 7 through 9 says, only be strong and very courageous. By the way, you have to be strong and courageous if you're going to walk by faith because you can't see it. You're going to have to be that, right? Be careful to do everything in accordance with the book, what Moses, my servant, what Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left. Don't turn from it. Stay on the path. I've given you a path. I've lit that path. I've actually prepared that path. Don't turn to the right or the left so that you may prosper and be successful wherever you go. This book, here's, this is our house. This book, which is your guide, this book, your guide shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall read and meditate on it. Think about it day and night. Let it be your guide. Let this be your guide so that you may be careful to do everything in accordance that is written in it, for then your way will be prosperous, and then you will be successful. Obedience leads to prosperity, which is success. It says it right there, right? And so, cruising along. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. He comes back and buttons it up, right? This is going to cost you, so you better be strong, and you better have some courage. Do not be terrified or dismayed. Don't be intimidated, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Presence. He's with you wherever you go presence. So then, if I don't lead first what I'm asking my kids to believe, if I don't lead first and teach second, then our kids are never going to follow. Because if I'm not the example that I'm trying to set, then it's just, it's empty. Blah, this is what they hear, blah, 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 right? And so here's how we define obedience. And I know we're talking about uh, faith, but faith and obedience go hand in hand. So we define obedience like this. Obedience is love plus trust, plus action. We see a lot of action or a lot of instruction, less action. And so it's easy for everybody to say, I love God. That trust part, when I'm disciplining our kids, I'll say, I know that you love me. 
But the fact that you are not willing to do that tells me that you do not trust me. You don't trust me. You can tell me you love me all day long, okay? And I'm, I, go, I go pretty hard on the other side. Heather, the woman is typically very nurturing and loving, and they, they always want her discipline because it's very soft, okay? It's very gentle. And I'm gentle as a dad, but I need that trust. I've got to have that trust, and I'm not going to talk them into it. I'm never going to talk them into it. I'm never going to bribe them to trust me. But then I see it through follow-through, right? I see it in their follow-through. And so if one of these is missing, it's not obedience. It turns into a task, right? That creates a great behavior, right? That gets them by so they can get out when they get 18, right? And so then what happens with that is it turns into uh, rituals and religious activity that's disconnected from their heart because they don't trust, because there's no faith, they don't believe. And so then we ask regularly, how does God know? How does God know that you heard what he said? He sees it. So then the trust part of obedience is faith. It's faith. People obey and kids obey because they believe in reward and consequence. And really that's prosperity and poverty. Belief is not fear driven, by the way. I can't make my kids afraid, but I can teach them faith. Belief is not fear driven. It is faith driven. I believe this is the right thing. I believe mom and dad want the best thing for me. What's that? I believe my heavenly father wants the best thing for me. I believe that, so I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to follow in his will. And so as believers, God doesn't need you afraid of him, by the way. He just needs you to trust him. He just needs the faith part. He just needs the faith part. Because the reality is there's a lot of people walking around outside scared to death, right? You as a believer don't need to be one of those people, right? There are enough unsaved people walking in fear that you need to be one. So God is a God of reward. God is a God of reward, reward, reward. So you have to slow down long enough to see that reward. We celebrated Oscar yesterday. And the best way to do that, to see the reward is to say, thanks for what you have. And so Oscar is such a gift to me because he is strategic. There's a lot of me in there, but he's a very slow thinker. And so he creates a lot of patience in me because I'm like, good Lord, son, let's go. Like, let's go. We say, get in the car. Everybody be in the car except Oscar. He's inside like, tidying up, making sure all the lights are off, doors are locked. Like, I've not told him to do that. He just does it, right? And so he's a super amazing kid. And he helps us out so much because he's, we call him the sheriff, by the way. Sheriff, sheriff, turn it off. Come on, I want you to be, just be 12 today. Come on, come with me, right? Like, I'll do the parenting today. And so he's the one that's always telling, hey, he's not doing this. He's the reporter, right? And some of that gets really exhausting. I'm not gonna lie to you. But at the same time, he's learning responsibility. Oscar's the one who will get up and go to, the, go to the front room and read his Bible by himself. Oscar's the one who will come to the breakfast table with his, with his Bible and say, hey, dad, guess what I read in Matthew today? I read Matthew 13. And he just goes in and he can tell you. Now, here's the thing about, he's amazing. Kaz, Kaz can go to this class right here and I'll say, hey, Kaz, what'd you learn in church today? Learn about Jesus. False, Okay. 100% false. What'd you learn? He can't tell you a thing because he's everywhere and 10 days ahead of you right now, right? And so Oscar's obedience is, is amazing. And so to wrap this point up, faith leads to fulfillment. Fear leads to failure. We got that, right? And so then slow down long enough. Obedience leads to prosperity. Slow down, slow down long enough to see that. I tell you that because we celebrated Oscar yesterday and I actually got to write. I write about uh, our kids every day. And that was one of the things I noticed, like, um, 
we have five kids, and so two of them had to go to nap, and um, it was just me and Oscar for some, for some silly reason. And I'm like, hey, Oscar, he's always wanted to help, so he's always in. And so I'm like, hey, uh, just go in there, and I'll meet you at our chairs, and, and, or if you don't meet me there, I'll come find you. I'll come find you. And so I didn't go up to the room. I was going to go up to the room and help Heather get situated with the kids, but she was like, I got it. So I sneak back in, and I sneak in a place where Oscar can't see me, and I watch him play. It's the best thing ever. It's the best thing ever. And as he goes, every time he goes back up the steps, it's by the doors that go out to the lobby, he would stop. And the seventh time he got to the steps, he didn't check. It was, it was like, that's the most freeing thing I've felt in a long time. Was just, he was, he was, it took him seven rounds, but that seventh one, he kept going. And that was awesome. And so just to watch him get to play was huge. It's huge for him to just turn off and be for just a minute. So Hebrews 3, 18, 19 says this, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? Rest here means the reward. Everybody say reward. And the reward is the promised land. The reward is heaven, right? The reward is prosperity. But those who do not obey, so if we see, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. This is insane right here because we see um, to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey. So we got obedience. And at the very end of this, we would say, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Shouldn't that say disobedience? Shouldn't it? And so you see here that it's obedience and faith. It's obedience and, and faith, right? Why does it say unbelief instead of obedience? Because it's not what you would think it would say. Because we all want to receive that rest, right? The reward. They didn't believe because they didn't obey. They didn't believe because they didn't obey. They didn't have faith because they were disobedient. Because they didn't have God. You guys see me working that backwards? And so then faith produces obedience. We believe in our heart. This goes back to that, that series we did before the first of the year. We believe in our heart. We decide in our mind and we act. We obey with our body. So your spirit, soul, body, right? B, right? I'm going to go here. This is be, believe, become, build. Go out and be an example, Right? We believe that we are first. We believe it. God didn't make me. I am a spirit, right? Be, that's your being. This is who you are, your spirit. I believe that. So now I can become that. This can rule this. So I'm not soulish. My mind doesn't rule my heart anymore. Now my heart rules my, my mind, my soul. And now I can actually live as an example. That's 1 Timothy 4.12. And so this is why scripture, that scripture switches from they did not obey to unbelief. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue, right? It's very easy to do the right thing for the wrong reason, right? That's called good behavior. You can do the right thing for the wrong reason. Because you know in your head you should, but you don't believe it in your heart. And so we call this rote religion. It's routine. It's, it's ritual. It's, it's all those R words. And I could give you a six more probably. We know what to do, so we do it, right? But we don't believe in it, so it's disconnected from who we actually are. And it's just a, well, I know, I, well, I need to put on a good front, so I should do this. And reluctance in your heart leads to lack of belief. That's where it starts. It's reluctance in your heart leads to lack of belief. Lack of belief produces lack of obedience, right? So if these guys actually believed God would reward them, they would have obeyed, but they didn't believe 
So they disobeyed. So let's recap this before we close. The key to prosperity is God's presence. How do I get God's presence? The key to God's presence is your obedience. Okay, how do I obey? The key to obedience is my faith. It's what I believe. So then it's your relationship. You be, be a believer, right? Then it is um, your heart, right? God's presence, it's you. I'm in agreement, so I will obey. And then it's your trust. So how do we gain faith? This is good. All right, Dusty. And, and I'll close with this last point. It's super simple, pretty quick. The key to obedience is your faith. So then how do I gain faith? How do I gain faith? It's the fourth and final point. It's the most practical. It's the most simple. It's the easiest. It is the very easiest. And um, it's the one thing that you can choose to do. Can you go back one for me, Ash? You gain faith by hearing the word of God. You gain faith by hearing the word of God. And so um, anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that, right? You might think that it's doing. You're saved by grace. You're successful because of obedience, right? So the action then is not about doing something, right? The action is not about doing something, but to do it with purpose. Do it with purpose because of a belief in your heart. So if you don't hear it, then it never makes it there. It never makes it there. And a lot of times we do this to gain information. That's the hard part because we live in the world. It's like, how much, how much do you know? How much do you know? How much education do you have? How much clearance? How much approval? How much do you have? And so we take information and instead of letting it go to our heart, we store it up here in the old dome and that's what gets us in trouble, right? And so disconnected from your heart, is, it's, it's nothing. Doing, doing does not produce faith. Faith does produce doing, but it's in obedience, right? Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and hearing by the word of God. So what does that mean? That means listen, read, memorize, memorize not to memorize, to store it in your heart because you believe it. Note cards, put it on your dash, think about it, put it on your mirror, rewrite it after the shower film has taken it down, right? Keep it in front of you, store it in your heart. The word of God produces faith. And so engage to receive a blessing, not to gain information. That's the biggest takeaway from gaining faith. Engage to receive a blessing because it's a relationship, because it's its presence. You go with God. God was with him. My, uh, my model this year is out of Proverbs. It says, as a man thinks, so he is. As a man thinks, so he is. And I'll be honest with you, the last five years have been the hardest, the hardest years of my life. And it's not getting any easier which tells me God's going to do something great. As a man thinks, so he is. I can get so consumed with everything that's happening outside of me that I can lose all the good that God has given me. So good for me to see Oscar run around the other day. So good. The Bible tells us faith comes by hearing because the word has the power to change your life. The word of God has the power to change your life. If you let it, if you let it. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It has the ability to do more than any self-help book, than any podcast, than any TikTok, than any Instagram or Facebook posts. The word of God is more powerful than all of that put together. Sharp on both sides. The Bible says that the word became flesh. This is Jesus. The word became flesh. He dwelt among us. The word lives forever. 
It will always accomplish what it's set out to accomplish. Always. Always. And because it does, it brings us freedom. It brings us salvation. And it brings purpose, not to you, but to the human race, for those who believe. It starts with faith. So spend time in the word and learn to believe the word because God made it really simple for us. He made it really simple for us. So I want you to think about the last three points, obeying, believing, and hearing. These three will bring you and keep you in the presence of God. And that results in prosperity for you. So then you prosper because you walk with God. You walk with God because you obey what he said. You obey because you believe. And you believe because you hear. It starts with your ears. And it's not just half-hearted hearing, but listening. Here's your promise. Here's your promise when, it's, when these four are present, okay? You prosper, all that. Here's the promise. It's Genesis 26. This is uh, verse 12 and 13. Isaac walked with God. Isaac obeyed God. Isaac believed God. And he heard God. And when he got to the point where he matured enough, here's what it says. Man, if you, I would highlight the crap out of this thing. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. That's called prosperity and blessing. And the Lord blessed him. And the man, Isaac, began to prosper. So that's the second one. And continued prospering until he was very prosperous. If that doesn't show you that God wants to take what your hands do and prosper you, I do not know what will. This is what God wants for you. That you would be blessed a hundredfold in everything that your hand touches. By the way, that's what this tattoo says. You can't see it's white. Colossians 3.23. Whatever my, I'm right-handed. Whatever my hand finds to do, do it wholeheartedly as unto God, not to men. Why? Because I believe that a hundredfold's coming. Because it's a promise. And the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. That sounds really good. That sounds really good. Do you know that I don't have a car payment? You don't know that. Why is that? The Ford truck I drive was given to me. It's a $56,000 truck given to me. Why? What my hand touches prospers. Heather was driving a 2007 Expedition uh, in 2020. And we pulled up and the transmission went out. And she said, thank you, Lord, for my new Expedition. We called my family to come get us. Guess what was waiting at the house when we pulled up? A white Ford four-wheel drive, extra long expedition. Did we ask? No. We asked one person. That's it. A hundredfold. And because of what your hand touches, when you go with faith and obedience with God, it'll be there. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.